And so today we're going to be continuing a series that Pastor Dan kicked off last week entitled Taking Christmas Out of Christ. And the motivation for the title of this message is, is something that I've seen on cable news and Facebook the past several years, where there's a lot of people who are upset that we're taking Christ out of Christmas. You'll hear a story about a McDonald's that removed their nativity scene uh, from the front yard, or a school that took out a very Christian song from their Christmas program, and you'll see people who get upset because they're taking Christ out of Christmas. And while I definitely understand that frustration, um, sometimes I wonder if maybe we've got it turned around a little bit. See, each year Christmas gets bigger and bigger, and, and it starts to take up more and more of the calendar. It's already plowed right over Thanksgiving. It's run right up into Halloween. I'll never forget a few years ago, I was standing in Walmart. It was the week before Halloween. There was a big giant display. It was one of those inflatables and it said, welcome to hell. But if you stood at just the right spot on just the right aisle, you could look right through it and see the Christmas trees. And I thought this, this is weird. I don't understand what's going on here. Uh, Christmas decorations have continued to get bigger and bigger. If we could go to the slide that shows a giant Santa on it, this is how bad it's gotten. There we go, right there. Uh, and just in case you can't tell, uh, that's the guy. That's the guy right there. This was from a TikTok of some people who were competing in their neighborhood. Each year, the inflatables got bigger and bigger on each side of the street, and this guy threw it down with that right there. And so every year, Christmas gets bigger. But I have to wonder, does Christmas get better? Is it possible that in all the Christmas, we've lost Christ? Have we forgotten the reason for the season. And as Christians, you know, we're the ones that are often the ones complaining about taking Christ out of Christmas, but have we gotten so caught up in all the gifts and all the shopping and all the decorating and all the hosting? Is anybody hosting this year? Two of you. Okay. Well, I will pray for you too, because that is stressful. Anytime I've ever been around somebody who's hosting, they don't get to enjoy Christmas because they're trying to make sure everybody else is enjoying Christmas. I think it's a familiar feeling as a parent. Has anybody felt that before? And I wonder if in all of that, we've maybe forgotten where it all began. And so that's what this series is about. Each of the weeks, we've been taking a look at a different part of, of Jesus's birth story and asking, what was it really like? If we remove all the glitter, all the decorations, what was it really like? So last week, Dan talked about Mary and Joseph. This week, we're going to be talking about the shepherds. Next week, we're going to be talking about the wise men. And then the last and final week, we're going to be talking about, of course, Jesus. And at the heart of this series is an idea. It's something that I've talked about before. It's something that was a big revelation in my understanding of Christmas several years ago. And that is the fact that Christmas was dirty. Christmas was messy. Christmas was smelly, and if we're being honest, Christmas was gross. It was a moment in a manger with two young individuals, Mary and Joseph, giving birth without medical assistance, being surrounded by animals and a ragtag group of people that we're going to talk about today. 
And I think we as Christians, we struggle with that. We, want, we don't want to deal with the messiness of it. We want to deal with, with the beauty of it. And so you've seen our nativity scenes have started to look a lot more like this. They glow. I mean, if your skin is ever that white, see a doctor. No, we make them shiny. We make them pretty. But the truth is, most scholars think that Jesus was born in something kind of like this. Christmas was dirty. It was messy. It was smelly. And it was gross. But it's in the midst of that that I think we find the true meaning of it. So when I talk about taking Christmas out of Christ, I'm talking about taking the pretty away so that we can get down into the dirty and to see exactly what God was doing there. Does that sound good? It better because I have nothing else. So we're going to dive right into the text. Next week, we're talking about the wise men. We're going to be talking about Matthew. Matthew focuses on them. But this week, we're going to be talking about Luke because Luke focuses on the shepherds. And this is how it begins in Luke 2. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And before we go any further to fully understand what we're going to be talking about today, we need to focus on that word right there, shepherds. And we've got to ask ourselves the question, who were the shepherds? Well, one scholar writes this. He says, in Christ's day, the shepherds stood on the bottom rung of the Palestinian social ladder. They shared the same inevitable status as tax collectors and dung sweepers. Not a great place to be. Tax collectors, dung sweepers, shepherds. See, what had happened over the years is that there was a point in Israel's history where being a shepherd was a good thing. It was a thing of honor. When they were a nomadic society, when they were moving around from one place to another, getting the animals from one place to another was a very important, essential task. And that's what the shepherds did. And because of that, it was a highly respected job. So respected that in the Psalms, in my grandpa's favorite Psalm, Psalm 23, it begins with God saying, I am your shepherd. It was so noble that God said that, that is an example that I want to use to describe myself to the people through King David. But as time went on, as the Israelites settled down and they developed a less nomadic culture where they stayed in one place, the raising of the animals moved outside of the city. And that's where the shepherds would work. And because of the long schedule and the overnight shifts and the fact that they were away from the city and away from the temple, they couldn't observe all of the temple laws, all of the rules that they were supposed to. They couldn't always pray when they were supposed to. They couldn't always wash their hands when they were supposed to. And so over time, it became associated with what well, was a dirty job. It was outside of the city and it had the same respect as the tax collectors or the dung sweepers. Now, several years after Jesus lived, there was a group of, of Jewish scholars who began to write down all of the laws that they had had over the several years and, and put them together in a collection of books called the Mishnah. And in the Mishnah, it talks about the shepherds. One passage describes them as incompetent. How, how would you love if your job title was described for all of history, recorded in a religious text as incompetent? 
And another passage goes on and it says that no one should ever feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who has fallen into a pit. You're traveling down the road. You look off to the side and a shepherd has broke down. He's in the pit. He's trying to change the tire. He doesn't have AAA. He's not getting a tow. It's not your responsibility. You don't have to stop because it's a shepherd. Who wants to associate with a shepherd? It goes on here. Germanus documents, sorry here, says, uh, Germanus documents the fact that shepherds were deprived of all civil rights. They could not fulfill judiciary offices or be admitted in court as witnesses. They couldn't even testify. In fact, he goes a little further and he says to buy wool, milk, or a kid from a shepherd was forbidden upon the assumption that it would be stolen property. One scholar sums it up like this. He says, shepherds were officially labeled sinners, a technical term for a class of despised people. In other words, shepherd was the job nobody wanted. It was minimum wage, it had bad hours, and no benefits. It reminds me of a scene in the classic movie, Office Space. Has anybody seen it? I'm going to share with you a quote that has been slightly cleaned up so that I do not get fired. But they are standing around in the office, the office that they all hate working in. And one of them says, our high school guidance counselor used to ask us, if you had a million dollars and didn't have to work, and invariably, and invariably, what you say was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, you were supposed to be an auto mechanic. So it was this idea, if you had a million dollars and you didn't have to work, what would you do? And you're supposed to take that and make that your career. But one of them gets frustrated and he says, that question is stupid to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up poop if they had a million dollars. Shepherd was that job. It was the janitor. It was the garbage man. It was the job that nobody grew up saying, I want to be that. It was the job you took if you had to take a job. And that is who is at the center of our story today. The story goes on. It's a suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will be great joy for all people. So we have this group of people, despised people, often labeled sinners. They're out in a field and a group of angels appears in front of them and begins to tell them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Now, before I go on, I want to stop and I want to focus on that last sentence that right there, that I bring good news that will bring joy to all people. Now, this is a refrain you'll hear from me often, but I'm going to say it again because I think it's important. And this is why it's important. Recent studies show us that if trends continue within the next half century, less than half of the United States will identify as Christian. Less and less people are making the church a part of their life, or more importantly, are making faith a part of their lives. And as somebody who believes that faith is essential, that one of the greatest things we can do with our life is to well, live it for God. Uh, this breaks my heart. 
And one of the reasons that I think that this happens is because the church has not done a very good job sharing good news. We have not shared a message with the world that inspires them, that gives them hope and peace and joy and love. So I've said it before and I'll say it again. If your good news isn't good news, it isn't good news. If the gospel that you're sharing isn't a message of hope and peace and joy, of love, of Christ, of life and life to the full, then it's not the gospel. See, I hear a lot of people who claim to be Christians preaching something that doesn't sound like good news. But, but I believe that if the message that the angels had for the shepherd is true, it is good news. That, that it's a savior that enters into the dirtiness of our world to offer us salvation. And I think that is a message we're sharing. We'll actually see the shepherds doing that here in just a little bit in the story. I bring all of this up because, well, like the video that we watched earlier, we have our Christmas Eve services coming up. We do them at Kill Creek Barn in DeSoto. They're one of my favorite things we do all year. And we gather in there, a beautiful place to remember where Christmas began because it's a little dirty. But we meet and we talk about the good news, why Jesus came, the hope and the peace and the joy and the love of Christ. And I want you guys to, to help us fill that barn up. If you go out there, you'll see the display. You can grab one of these cards and I encourage you to do that and you can give it to somebody who could use some good news in their life. Because I think we have a world that needs that. A world that needs the message that the angels had to share that day. Anyway, the story goes on. It says the, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Had to be a confusing moment for the shepherds. They've heard their whole life this rumor of a Messiah that would come a king that would be there. And then they hear that he's going to be in a manger. He's going to be in a place that's dirty and messy and smelly and gross. But you know what? It says, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast hope of others, uh, armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased and then it goes on, it says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was a baby lying in a manger. What a moment that would have been. Because yes, it was dirty, it was messy, it was smelly, it was gross. But I think each of them realized that something was happening there. You know, Matthew uses the term Emmanuel, which means God with us. And could it have been any more true in that moment as they sat in the manger and realized that, oh, God was with them. That we don't have a God who's just off in heaven, but a God who's willing to come to earth and be actively involved in our lives. And then it says, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And it said, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. I have to wonder if the astonishment in that moment 
It was partly the message they were sharing that the Savior had been born, but could it have also been the messengers itself? Like, I want you to imagine that, that the chiefs release a press release and they tell us that they're going to have a huge announcement. Like the announcement that could change the franchise forever. Something that we all need to pay attention to. So I want you to, to imagine sitting down. Everybody's got ESPN on. It's on network news. It's everywhere. They got the little podium up there. It's got the Chiefs logo on it. It's got like the 40 microphones, that thing that they do. And we're all waiting to see what they're about to announce, to see what truth they're about to deliver to us. And then I want you to imagine a homeless man wandering up to the mic. And he tells about the trade, the trade that's going to help us in, in huge ways. Or maybe they tell us that they cloned Kelsey and now he's going to play wide receiver too. I don't know. But he delivers some amazing news. And part of you would be focused on the amazing news, but part of you would be wondering why in the world is that the person that's delivering the good news? I have to wonder if in that moment, there was a little of that same questioning that was taking place. It says, but Mary kept all of these things in her heart and thought about them often. It says, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Now, I think that there are two lessons for us today that we can learn from this passage. The first is what we can learn from the shepherds. And I believe what we learn from the shepherds is that God can use anyone to proclaim the good news. Even you. I believe that if you're here today, you might be thinking to yourself, I will never be a preacher. Like when you stand up there, I don't ever want to, how many of you hate public speaking? Like it's your least favorite thing in the entire world? Yes. I understand that. But I believe that God uses us to share good news in lots of ways. I believe that every single day when you're with your family, when you go to work, when you go to school, when you're around your neighbors, you have an opportunity to share good news with them, to be hope in their lives, to be peace in their lives, to be joy in their lives, to be love in their lives, to share the good news of a savior and a Messiah with them. And I actually believe that, that you sharing that can have a, a greater impact than anything that Pastor Dan and I can do from the, the stage up here. That, that you can speak truth into their lives in, in a way that I can't. And I think it's essential. There are people who will never walk through those doors, who would never be willing to sit in one of these seats and hear whatever it is that me or Dan is saying. But they're willing to sit down and have coffee with you. They're willing to hear your heart. And I believe that if God can use the shepherds, the people who had the job that nobody wanted, then of course he can use us. I think this story removes any excuse we have from being able to say, God can't use me. I think God is saying, if I can use them, then I can use you. And I even think that God can use them. And when I say them, I mean the people that we don't think God can use. The people on the other side of the aisle. The people that frustrate us, that annoy us, or the people that we don't think are worthy. God can use them too. You'd be amazed at who God uses to share truth. I can tell you, having gone on some mission trips, there was one, we went to St. Louis. 
And there's a moment I will never forget. We were out visiting a homeless camp. And we were talking to the individuals there. And as night came around and it got dark, we were all gathered together in this, this one room in this one house that was kind of in that area. We were packed in there tight. And then all of a sudden somebody suggested, why don't we sing? And people started singing. They started worshiping. And I can tell you that I heard God more in that moment than in 99% of the church services I've been in. You'd be amazed at who God uses to share good news in your life. So, so never write off the possibility that God might be there. I also think that we can learn from the angels. And what I mean by this is, I think if the angels of heaven can treat minimum wage workers with respect, so can we. And that might not seem like a big thing, but has anybody here ever worked retail? Has anyone here ever worked in a restaurant? Um, I had a moment uh, last week. It was one night. I was running late. I hadn't had dinner. I decided to stop by McDonald's. So I open up the app on my phone, and, and there's a deal. There's 40% off a 10-piece chicken nugget. I was pretty excited about that. One thing I don't appreciate in the app is it tells you how many calories that meal has. Look, when I opened the McDonald's app, I knew what I was getting into. You don't need to rub it in. But anyway, I ordered it. I go through the drive-thru, I get my bag, and I'm on my way home, and oh, the car, it smells so good. I'm so, I'm so hungry. This is what I have been waiting for. I carry that bag into the house, I sit down on the couch, I put on a weird true crime documentary on Netflix, and I'm like, finally a moment to relax. And then I open the bag. You know what's not in the bag? No, the nuggets are there. The sauce, the sauce is not there. And I thought to myself, you have ruined my evening. <laughs> this is all I had and you took it away from me. And then a few days later, I stop at that McDonald's to get a coffee. And I pull up to the window and I look in and it's the same person that handed me my bag that night. And I thought, oh, it's you. And then it hit me. You know what? I have no idea how long her day was, the day that she forgot to give me the sauce, but it was probably longer than my day. That she was working a job that I would never, never be able to work. I couldn't handle that. I'd fall apart. I don't know what her life was like before she went into that job. I don't know what difficulties she's wrestling with. I doubt that she grew up her whole life thinking, I want to work the drive through window at McDonald's on 87th in Overland Park. That's probably not where she wanted to be either. And it was in that moment that I just felt this conviction on my heart. Like, like dude, you got to have some grace here. She don't know what God's doing there. And maybe you could be the shepherd in that moment, sharing that good news. And I want to encourage all of us as Christians to be like the angels, to remind them of their worth. Everybody that you encounter, when you're at the, the register at Walmart and the person is not bagging things like you think they should be bagging things, 
which is an OCD problem I sometimes have. I want you to remind yourself they probably didn't dream of working that job and it's probably been a really long day for them. And I want you to think, is there any way that I can remind them of their worth? Now, a couple weeks ago, my daughter Ollie and I were in a store and the person working the counter was just super friendly, joking around with us, having a good time. And as we walked out, Ollie said, I like people like that. Let's be people like that. Let's, let's give people a little bit of hope and peace and joy and love in the midst of a Christmas season that is often pretty crazy. As one bishop said, divinity is always where one least expects to find it. See, I believe as we remove all the Christmas from Christmas, we'll, define, we'll find divinity in the dirtiness of the world. See, I think that was the message that God was trying to share is that you don't have to get dressed up to be a part of this. You don't have to be pretty enough or beautiful enough or have enough glitter or ornaments to be a part of this. No, he, he showed up in the midst of the dirty and the messy and the smelly and the gross to prove that there was nowhere he wouldn't go to share the good news. And that gives me hope in my life. So how many of you have had days where you would describe your life as dirty or messy or smelly or gross or things aren't going like you wanted for them to go? Maybe you find yourself sitting on a couch eating chicken nuggets without sauce at the end of a long day and you're like, God, I can't keep doing this. See, it's in those moments that God shows up. It's in those moments that you find divinity in the dirty. So my encouragement is for you to look for mangers. Look for the places you don't expect God to show up and then watch God show up. And maybe you can even be the one who brings the good news into that moment. I think as we do that, we change lives with Jesus's love. And we capture the real meaning of Christmas. Let's pray. Dear God, I pray that as we leave church today, we can look for mangers, that we can find divinity where we least expect it, that we can be like the shepherds and know that you can use us to proclaim good news and that we can be like the angels and show up in people's lives and remind them that there is a savior and a Messiah. In Jesus' name, amen.